It is good to have you tonight. I only believe at Urbana. We're excited to see you tonight. This Wednesday night. It's a nice night. But it's a great night because we're here together. And I'm glad you're here with us. So come on and grab a seat. Uh, I'm going to start off with some announcements real quick. So first announcement is this. Obviously, the kids are up here with us for worship. So as soon as worship's over, we'll dismiss them uh, for kids' church. Second thing is youth hangout night tonight. So 5th through 12th grade after worship, we'll be going with Chamberlain right there. So uh, just follow him. It'll be a good time. Uh, two more announcements, and these are both important announcements. Um, September the 9th, Friday night, we've rented out the bowling alley from 7 to 9 p.m. Free bowling. You just buy your own snacks. So you don't have to buy shoes or games. We run it out. So it's for our church to come together, have some fun, maybe prize for the highest bowl, maybe prize for the lowest one. I don't know. We'll do something. Um, that's September 9th. Mark that on your calendar. Um, and then here's a brand new announcement. This is for the ladies. There is a bonfire girls' ladies' night at our house, like we did a couple years ago, on October the 8th. Saturday night, starting at 6 o'clock, okay? So what we'll do is, for those of you guys want to do that, we'll carpool from here over to our place, and you guys have a good time. If you want to know what that's all about, I don't know. Talk to Margaret, okay? So a ladies' night, and uh, last but not least, this Sunday is Joy Fellowship, 5 o'clock. See Bill and Patsy if you want to know about that. It's for, for the uppers, they get together, but it's not just for the uppers, it's for everybody wants to come, all right? So they have food. They get into the Word a little bit. So 5 o'clock Sunday, and uh, it's always a good time. All right, how about we stand up on your feet? We're going to jump into our praise and our worship tonight. Amen. Well, we're doing a new song tonight, and if you've been saved and you used to be a sinner, raise your hand for me. Amen. So we've all been the old man, and now God has made us new. Ephesians 2 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. So it doesn't matter if you got saved as a kid or you got saved now, there was a time that we came to know him. He is the spirit at work in our hearts of those who refuse. Okay, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So this song is about that and declaring that we will be that spotless bride, that we will be ready, that we're not going to put on the old man again because he has made us new. God came to make all things new. And so this is just an encouragement about that, that we will be ready for him. Amen. I was living my life on a winding road. I was living for sin and I didn't know.
burdened with, the things that we carry, the things that we struggle with. And we give them, we lay them at your feet. We trade that garment of praise. The garment of praise, Jesus, we worship you. For you are the one who redeems, you're the one who heals, you're the one who delivers, you're the one who heals. For you are all that we need. You are everything. You are our all. And we thank you for that. We respond to the call to come to all who are weary and need rest. We respond to that and come to you. Lord, give us rest. Take that weariness from us. And rekindle with the joy of our salvation. The joy of our freedom that we find in you. That we will walk in that and live in that. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Will you lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, for your glory. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go high five like 300 people. All right. Then, then grab a seat then. All right. Good to have you tonight. Live streamers, it's good to have you wherever you're watching from. We're glad you joined us tonight. And I think that uh, school is back in, so we're, we're praying for all of you heading back into school, students and parents, and I believe it's going to be a great school year. All right, tithe and offering, if you do have something to give, you can prepare that. Offering envelopes are in the chair in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of our phenomenal ushers will help you out. Uh, but again, we always appreciate your giving. And uh, we, we, when we pray about church finances, and we do, we pray that, um, that our, our church finances are always in good shape. By the way, if you did not know, only believe as campuses and, and, and we, we have a yearly audit. We pay for an audit every year, so we always are looking that we're above board. Just so you're aware of that, so we, we put ourselves through an audit every year to make sure that we're doing what's right in accordance with government bylaws and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we, we are very uh, much sticklers about our finances. So, and, uh, so just so you know that, we watch our finances. We pray for good stewardships. When we pray about the finances, you know, I don't directly pray that you guys give. I pray that the Lord unctions your heart to give as he unctions your heart. Amen. That's between you and the Lord. Right? So that's what I pray. I always, I'm, one of my daily prayers is, Lord, Lord, not only blessings in the church, but then blessings in the people of the church. Okay? And so we believe that as the Lord unctions your heart as you give, then that we're being good stewards on our end with it, and we're doing uh, with it what only God can do in the kingdom, because God can multiply and do things beyond what even we think can happen. And, and I've, I've seen it, again, being in ministry and pastoring as long as I have, I've seen it time and time again. So we thank you for your giving. And uh, 
it is answers to, to prayers and our belief that, uh, that God is doing something. And, and every now and then something that he's up to, it costs something. It's just, we have a church, right? Well, you, well it costs something. And you turn the lights on. I know that costs. Well, we could throw candles in here, but, you know, I like the lights. Um, you know, it's thing, I like running water. We don't have to, but it's nice to have, you know. So it, things cost, or when we do outreaches, sometimes it costs. Not everything costs, but your giving goes towards all these different kind of things, just so you, just so you know that. Okay? So, Lord, we thank you uh, uh, for the increase in our life and our tithe and our offerings from our increase, Lord. And I, I pray uh, that we continue to live by faith, that, that the the people of the house are good stewards, that the, the finances come into the church, that we're good stewards with that, Lord. And all these things, your kingdom is being birthed and lived within us and through us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Bring it on down. I think everybody got their kids down and everybody's back. Um, we are going to close out with a little time of prayer like we have the last couple weeks. I wanted to do that again tonight, just so you know that. And if you want to hear Sunday, uh, we're... We're doing like a three-week, maybe it'll take a little longer, uh, series on sharing your faith. So if you were not here this past Sunday, I encourage you to go back and watch uh, last Sunday's live stream. It's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, wherever else it's floating around, I don't know. Um, and just, it was some basic four points of why we share our faith. Uh, this Sunday I'm going to talk about what you share when sharing your faith. In two weeks we'll talk about uh, the attitude of, of sharing your faith and what it means to be believers and how we present the gospel. So it, it, it's really down to earth and straightforward. So, uh, but uh, go check it out if you were here Sunday, then of course be here Sunday for that. All right, Romans chapter 16. We are closing out. We're finishing. We'll be done for now after tonight with the book of Romans. And we've been in this for a good while, and we're down to the very last chapter. Um, of course, Rome. Uh, the church is in Rome. Uh, Paul was writing to them uh, in hope of advance visit of Rome. Uh, he sort of explains that at the end of chapter 16. We won't get into that, but you can read it later. Um, and, and Paul is making sure we're on the same page about what the gospel is and what it is not, and, and really emphasizing the righteous live by faith. Amen. So that's where we've been in Romans. Um, tonight is, is, is interesting how Paul closes out the book of Romans. And, and what he does in the first part of what we have is chapter 16, Paul gives his shout-outs. It, it's kind of like uh, uh, you, at the end of an event, you know, uh, we give a shout-out. Thanks to everybody who helped tonight, and thanks to the people that did this, and thanks if you did that, or, or if you're, you're writing a letter and you, and you say all these things. Hey, make sure you say hi to Grandma and hi to, in the days that we wrote letters, and, and you give your shout-outs, you know, at the end of stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, Paul gives his shout-outs at the end here in, in chapter 16, but there's something very interesting about Paul's shout-outs, and we're going to spend the first couple minutes talking about what's interesting about that. And what is interesting is how Paul highlights women. And it's unusual for the day and the age in which Paul wrote this and how he highlights ladies. So what I'm going to do for the first couple moments here in Romans 16, I'm going to highlight the shout-outs that Paul gives to the ladies in Romans 16, and there's a reason I'm going to do that. And, and what's interesting is there's 20-some people Paul gives a shout-out to, and about 10 of them, 9 or 10 of them are two women. So, but by the fact that he's giving shout-outs to the ladies means something, because that's just not the general way it was. But also, in his shout-outs, he commends the ladies in their works of service for the kingdom more than he does the men, which makes it really interesting. Now, before we get into it, because the very first verse talks about Phoebe, and we'll, we'll get into what she was in this situation, uh, the Bible is very interesting when it comes to women and ministry and those kind of things, especially in the writings of Paul. If you want to track big-picture scripture, you've got to see big-picture scripture because it puts things in context. And, and what you'll find is what Paul says about some things about ladies in the book of 1 Corinthians and also in 1 Timothy 
then you see other things where ladies are actually doing stuff later. It kind of brings attention to why did Paul say that if this is happening over here. And whenever you find tension in Scripture, you gotta, you got to do some homework. you got to do some unearthing about what's going on. Okay? So, you know, you know in the Old Testament, you got Deborah, right? How many know Deborah? She's in the book of Judges. Deborah, in the book of Judges, was called the leader of Israel at her time. She was leading. Okay, so you have a woman that, that was leading Israel. You also have a, a woman uh, in the Old Testament named Huldah. Huldah is, is, is called a prophet. I'm not talking about somebody who, uh, like we would think of, of the 1 Corinthians gift of prophecy, but a prophet, office of the prophet, as we would call New Testament-wise, five-bowl ministry gift. She was a prophet. Huldah. As a matter of fact, the high priest went to her to get the word from her, try to get what, some direction or needed something, and she gives a word. Um, we, we also find in, in Joel uh, chapter 2 or 3 that this, this wonderful prophecy about the coming spirit, which Peter says is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And remember, he goes, in those days, in the last days, in the days coming, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he goes through this list, and notice he says in there, and your sons and your daughters will do what? Prophesy. Okay, so you, now we're seeing a big picture here. Um, and, and you get into the New Testament, and there's this wonderful story of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene has been tagged in history. She's been called the apostle to the apostles. Now, why do I say that? Because if you remember the story in the Gospel of John, Jesus is resurrected, and eventually uh, Mary Magdalene runs into him and thinks he's the gardener. You know that story? And finally she realizes Jesus... And he, he says there, and go tell my brothers, go tell the disciples. Now, now, see, there are three big moments of revelation about Jesus in the Gospels. The first one was when Jesus was born. And who announces his birth? The angels. Remember? Then, then the second great revelation about Jesus was Peter. Remember, he asked, well, who, do you, who do people say that I am? And they're doing this thing. And, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus says, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And Peter, that's the second great revelation. The third great revelation is the revelation of a risen Savior. And who gets the news to go tell the first people? Mary Magdalene. A woman. And by the way, in that day, the witness of a woman was really discounted. It didn't mean anything. They, they were not really used in, in the courts and things of this nature a whole lot. But yet Jesus entrusts the risen Savior news to her and said, go tell them. And she's been called the apostle to the apostles in, in history. So it's a wonderful thing. We find in the book of Acts, uh, Philip the evangelist has four daughters, and they all prophesied, it says. Right? So, so we see this backdrop, this big picture working, where, where the ladies are being used by God. Now, by the way, Paul in 1 Corinthians, and, and we'll get into this, but let me just preface it. Paul in 1 Corinthians makes a statement, and, and women should be silent in church. You ever read that? Ladies. Shh. Now, what I do know is, Christine just laughed. Violation. You're out of here. All right? No. It is, so it's like, okay, once the ladies get in the church parking lot, shh, silence. When, when we're worshiping, shh. Nobody, nobody does that. Even, even the strict churches that believe that women have no leadership, they, they don't go that far. They even, they even nuance interpretation with that. Women be silent in church. If you have a question, ask your husband at home. What's going on is women in that day were very much uneducated. And apparently, they were interrupting what was going on to ask questions about what's happening. And Paul says, don't do that. If you got a question, go home and ask your husband at home. And that's just making a giant assumption that he knows what's going on. And that, by the way, doesn't help any single ladies in the place. She's got no husband to go home to. What brings attention to that is a couple chapters before, Paul says, and when women pray and prophesy, they've got to cover their head. Well, 
they're allowed to pray and prophesy, but then they've got to be quiet. Wait, what is it? Uh, not now we have tension. And we understand there's a cultural thing happening here. And, of course, the whole covering of your head, if you've seen that in, in certain denominations. My, my uh, grandparents uh, came from Brethren in Christ. In Pennsylvania, that's a hop and a skip from Mennonite, which is a hop and a skip from Amish. So when I was young, my grandmas wore head covers. They, they were taking women should cover their heads in a literal way and not a cultural uh, tie to the time that Paul wrote. But, so women aren't to be quiet in church. They're just not to be disrupting with their questions. But then later in 1 Timothy, he says, I do not allow women to teach or have an authority over man. And that's book, it, it's bookended by this whole women uh, dressing decently. Don't, don't braid your hair. Now, wait a second. I don't know if anybody has braided hair. How many of y'all ever came to church and your hair was braided? Okay. And don't wear gold. And ex- How many of y'all wear, ladies, are wearing something that has gold in it? But Paul, Paul says, be modest. Don't do that. Then he said, I don't allow a woman to teach or have authority. Then, then he makes this really interesting thing, and women will be saved by childbirth. And he says that. That's like, where did that come from? And especially Paul, as we know, even Romans and, and Ephesians, you are saved by grace, through faith, not by works, it's the gift of God. Therefore, nobody can boast, but yet Paul is telling women, you're going to be saved by childbirth. What's he talking about? Because that's a work. What's he getting at? In Ephesus, where Timothy was leading the church, so 1 Timothy was written to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, leading a church in Ephesus. In Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time, it was the temple to Artemis. Artemis is the Greek god. Her, her uh, Roman counterpart would have been Diana. Um, the temple of Artemis was mostly led by women, priestesses, and they had uh, what would be said, cultic prostitutes there. And you know what they did? They braided their hair, and they adorned themselves in such a way that uh, in Roman times, when you did your hair a certain way, it, it was, it was a, a status thing. And we're seeing this, this temple being disrupted by the gospel. And you guys see, I think it's Acts 17 or 18 or 19, somewhere in there. there's actually a story about this, where uh, uh, the, the idol makers were mad at Paul in Ephesus because of this temple, because of things that were happening. And one of the things about Artemis is very interesting was that she was, the, of the many things, she was the patron of childbirth. So if you were pregnant and you wanted to ensure a safe childbirth, you would offer offerings at the temple to ensure that you would have a safe childbirth. Now, Paul, okay, listen, ladies coming into the church, don't come in with braided hair adorning yourself. And I don't allow the women to teach and have authority. And that word authority is, a, is, a, is an unusual word for authority. It actually means domineering. I don't allow a woman to come in and teach and be domineering in the church. Be submissive, be quiet, and learn. He wants them to learn. And then he says, but you'll, you'll be saved in childbirth. Don't worry about going and offering offerings at the temple of Artemis. God's going to protect you in your childbirth. You don't have to go do that mess to have a safe childbirth. So the backdrop of what's going on, what Paul's saying there, is the temple and the cultic worship and how those people are coming into the church. It wasn't this all-time admonition, women may never teach. Because, and the reason we can, we can actually do that is watch Romans chapter 16, verse number 1. This is Paul. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. Now, what's really interesting, that word servant is actually also the word for deacon, deaconess. A deacon is a leader, a minister, or in the ministry of a church. So I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church, okay, of Kent Ray, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of, of many and of myself as well. But what's going on here is Phoebe is the one that brought the letter of Romans to the churches in Rome. She was the carrier entrusted with the letter. Now, if you remember in our book of Revelation talk, when somebody brought the letter, what did they do with the letter? 
they read it. And most likely now Phoebe is reading this incredible theological work that we look at. This is Paul's greatest theological writing, and you got a woman most likely reading it in the churches. And I'll tell you something, when you're reading Romans for the first time in churches, you're teaching. Can't get away from that, right? And she probably would have been trusted with uh, uh, responding to questions. She would, have been, she would have been talked to about the nuances of the letter. Okay, so Phoebe, a deacon in the church, brought the letter. Watch this, verse 3. Greet Prisca or Priscilla, as you'll find Priscilla is uh, uh, other ways that's translated. And Aquila, so Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple. Priscilla the woman, Aquila the man. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the other churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Now watch this, verse 5. Greet also the church in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple, have a church in their home. Now, you can find Priscilla and Aquila in other writings of Paul. But what's very interesting about this, very, very unusual in that day, is Paul lists the woman first and not the man. Very interesting. You actually find him in the book of Acts. Remember the, the guy, Apollos? And this guy, Apollos, started teaching. He had, he had good understanding of the word. He's teaching. He's speaking about Jesus. And Priscilla and Aquila together took him aside and taught him. Not, not just Aquila, but Priscilla also. So we could say we, we, that Priscilla and Aquila were pastoring a church in their home. We got Phoebe the deaconess who, who brought the letter, most likely read the letter. Now we got Priscilla and Aquila pastoring a church. Okay, shout out to the ladies. Um, verse 6. Greet Mary. Who's Mary? This is not the Mary you probably think of. It's a different Mary. Mary who has worked hard for you. Okay, so he shouts out Mary. Now, verse 7, this is a big one. And th this is a very much debated verse. You would think, of all the things they're going to debate, debate in the book of Romans, this one draws a lot. Okay, so, so watch this. Greet Andronicus and Junia my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Now, what's very interesting is, if you go to other translations, Junia is, is Junius. Now we have a fight. The reason there's a fight is because what's happened, said after this was translation, Junius is the male, Junia is the female. And there's a fight on whether it's a man or a woman they're talking about, but scholarship has come in, in, in lately and said, this is a woman and a woman's name. So we got a couple, and what's interesting about this, and this is why there's a fight, it says, uh, they're well known to the apostles, but a better correct translation is they are, out, they are outstanding among the apostles. And the reason the fight over her name is because what they're saying is these two here are apostles. They don't want to say there's a woman apostle. There's a fight. Because if there's a woman apostle, now we, now we got questions. Now we definitely have somebody falling within the five-fold ministry gifts of authority in the church. And there's, there's a debate about this. So we have Phoebe the deaconess, deacon in church. We have Priscilla and Aquila who, who have a church in their home, possibly pastoring together. And, uh, Priscilla's listed first, maybe of importance. And now we have Junia outstanding among the apostles. Now you see where we get tension with some things Paul said elsewhere and while we kind of dig at it and see why he's saying it. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, verse 12. Greet, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and, and Tryphosa. Of course, they're, they're probably most likely uh, sisters or people that brought together in some sort of, of work way where their name was given. Uh, you notice the, the closeness of their names there. Uh, we have verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen Lord, and also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. 
You got uh, verse 15. Uh, you're greeting Julia there, okay? And uh, also in verse uh, 15, you have, have Narius and his, and his sister, okay? So Paul is not just highlighting men, shouting out men, but he's shouting out the women, but he's also commending women in the work that they do for the kingdom. Why do I say this? So you got the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2. As Joel says, even our daughters will prophesy. And we know by Philip the Evangelist, his four daughters prophesied, it says right there in Acts. So we know that women can receive the Spirit and operate in the gifts of the Spirit, evidenced by the Word. We got Hoda. Oh, before I go there, we got, we got Phoebe the deaconess. Deacon is leadership within the church. Women can be leaders in the church. Right? Then we got, we got Hoda in the Old Testament, a prophet. And we, of course, debated things happening here, but we got, we got uh, uh, Priscilla, co-pastoring the church. We got uh, Junia, uh, outstanding among the apostles. These are five bold ministry gifts here. Let me just put it this way. Ladies, be called and be used by God. Can I, can I get another amen there? Be called and be used by God. And, and, and you can go to denominations across the board, and they think a lot of different things about this. Okay, and you can go from women be silent in church, like literally, all the way to, well, women can do everything, they just can't be the head, and you all the way over to more Pentecostal. No, women just walk in the gifting God gives you because he's the one who gives it. And wherever you fall, and, and that's what you're comfortable with, do it. But I just know I'm for the ladies being led and filled with the Spirit and being used by God, as evidenced by the Bible. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, all right. Let's keep going. All right, verse 17. Some final instructions and actually some more shout-outs, some more greetings. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk, and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. So, again, watch out for those that try to bring division and deception into the church. And those that do that, they're just, you're just doing it for themselves. They, they want to be somebody. When they want to have a voice. They want to, whatever the reasoning is. Well, watch out for them. Not only watch out for them, but avoid them. Pray for them. I'll throw that in there. Pray for them. But, but allow the Lord to, to work on them. But don't get caught up in the forceness of the argument and all those kind of different things. Okay? Now, Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You guys remember a song about 15 years ago, about that 20 years ago, made a God of peace, and almost, in my youth group, they turned that into a rap song. My kids were rapping that verse, you know, I'm not going to do that, but they did it, it was cool, you know, they liked it. But the God of peace, he brings peace to us by reconciliation. But that God of peace is going to take care of the enemy. And, and he has at the cross. Is the enemy still afoot and doing what he does? Yeah, he's, he's still out there. Don't, don't be ignorant that there is an enemy and he has schemes and he has plans, right? But yet, he has been defeated. And you don't need to live under whatever he's doing any longer. But there's going to be a time when the fullness of the judgment on him and, and, and everything that's with that will happen. And the God of peace will at that time crush Satan under, under authority and power underneath his feet. 
And whenever we did that rap song and it got a piece underneath his feet, everybody jumped. Under your feet. Smash them. That's what's coming. It's been won. You don't have to live in it, but there's going to be a finality to the whole deal. And God's going to finish it. Have hope in that. Believe that. That the adversary has been judged at the cross, but the finality of the judgment is going to come. Amen. All right, so verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so forth. Now watch verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter. So Paul had a scribe. Paul didn't write it with his own hand. There was a scribe he dictated to that, that wrote this letter. Greets you in the Lord. Gaius, who is my host, that's where Paul was staying, who's a host to me and the whole church greets you, uh, and so forth. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, what, what is his gospel? The power of God for salvation for those who believe. He's not ashamed of the gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. What is the preaching of Jesus Christ? That's the good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept for secret for long ages, what is that? That is the mystery, and Paul brought this up in, in chapter 11. That is the mystery of the Gentiles being brought into the family of God. That's what that mystery is about and what this whole part of this whole letter was about. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations, again, all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. And, and you, you know what amen is? That we all agree. We're together. Let it be done. So, so whenever I say, at the end of offering prayer, I said, and everybody says amen. If you didn't know it, when you, if you did that with me, you just agreed with what I prayed with. I, I was suckering you in that whole time. You had no idea. I was just... I was roping you in, man. You didn't. You had no idea. And Paul ends, amen, because he's bringing the agreement, all the stuff he's putting forth, to be in unity. That's the big thing in Romans, amen? Oh, we made it. We did it. Book of Romans. That, I, I had fun doing that. It was, uh, it was fun for me to tear through that and do that. But, but take to heart that the gospel is salvation for those who believe that we are called to live by faith, not by works, but yet there is a life of learning what it means in the fulfillment of the law, that is to love other people. Amen? Amen. And that we live this life, as he says in, in Romans 12, offering yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. That is our spiritual act of worship. That's how we live. Amen? You agree? Amen. All right. Okay. As, as we've been doing lately, um, let, let's close out. It's, it's 10 till 8. I would encourage you, if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to, I'd, I would love for you to stay for, for the last 10 minutes, a little more, and just, let's just pray together. And I've been feeling in my heart to do that. By the way, uh, after the new year, we're going to do a very concentrated 21 days of prayer. And we've done it in the past, but we're going to really put an emphasis on it and do some different things with it. But it's so important for us to pray. And I, I, I believe in a very uh, optimistic way that you are, are, are people of prayer when we're not here. But um, we at times have to pray together as, as a body. And uh, I used to do Wednesday nights with the youth. We called, uh, once a month we called it boot camp. And we do prayer nights or we do worship nights. And I was trying to teach them application that then they take outside and live. You know, and so we take a whole, and you talk, I have, you know, all the 100 teenagers in the morning, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray for the next 50 minutes. And buddy, you know what? We did. I don't know how many of were sleeping, but we, we were praying, you know, at teaching an application of what we're supposed to take in bites every day of our life. But I hope what we can do for the last few minutes here is, is that you, you pray for our church. I hope you fight for, for, the, for our family. I hope you fight. Your own family, personally, uh, we pray for, for our town. I don't know what in the world was going on with all the fire trucks and ambulances and all that stuff when we were driving in. Whatever, we can just make sure we're praying. Whatever's going on in our town, something was happening. Let's pray. 
Um, and then, then you go beyond saying we're supposed to be praying for governmental leaders. I, I know we like to slander them. Stop. Pray for them. Okay? And this is what we're called to do. So let, let's spend the next few minutes here. And when you're done praying, you're, you're free to go. Okay, but let's spend time in prayer. Okay, altars open, whatever you want to do. They'll put some music on over top. So if you want to pray out loud, you can. But let's just pray before we head out tonight.